Welcome back to the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. Just Jonathan here uh, with Sean. Breaking news in college basketball. Coach K has decided to retire. He is heading out. Uh, it does appear John Shire is the picked replacement. So, I mean, we, we were kind of like thinking about this being a potential, you know, a possibility, you know, sometime in the future. Well, the possibility has become an end. And then, you know, it's just fact right now. Coach K is heading out. Uh, John Shire going to be the replacement. And uh, kind of not really all that dramatic. And he's going to, of course, do uh, the victory lap tour. Uh, Sean, how are you doing? What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm doing very good. It's obviously, you know, we're getting at near an end of an era in college basketball with Roy Williams retiring after this past season. Coach K retiring after next season. Then you have to imagine at some point in the future, Jim Beheim's going to hang up uh, the the jacket, the suit for the final time. And then you look at Tom Izzo. He's probably got more, uh, you know, seasons left, but you never know what's going to happen. I mean, he doesn't have to coach till he's 75. I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these older coaches decide to call it quits earlier just with how much the game is changing. Would you rather be at a, you know, would you rather be at a beach or at a country club playing golf? or trying to re-recruit your players every single season to make sure you can actually field an, a good roster the next year. I mean, that's just a tough job, and I don't blame any of the coaches who are older and just want to call it quits. Obviously, I think the game is changing for the better in a lot of ways, but for some of these coaches that have been doing it for so long, it's tough to imagine that they'd want to keep doing it in a different fashion. Yeah, and like especially, you know, for one, this kind of a very tough season coming off of it but you know you you mentioned the you know coaching this season I don't think it's you know all the coaching that is the reason or you know the evolution of coaching the having to re-recruit all your players and stuff like that that's the reason coach K is retiring but you know it could be why he's deciding to hang it up right now it could be you know I I don't feel like you know just, just take for example, Jamin Breakfield, Henry Coleman. Two players decide, you know what? I'm transferring. I'm out of here. Uh, I didn't want to be on your team anyway. Uh, it's, it's not really, you know, Jalen Johnson, DJ Stewart's of the world from this past season. It's the ones like you get these level players to kind of like develop, and all of a sudden they decide to transfer, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I think we we were kind of discussing. I think. Duke's bench is overall still fine, but you lose out on two players you you previously had, and now all of a sudden, uh, you know, I think it's not so much that it's just you know you have to do that every single year. I can see how it could start to become exhausting on a coach, and especially one in Coach K who you know has not been in the best of health in recent years has had, you know, back injuries, uh, among other things, obviously, uh, I think was contact traced out of a game. Uh, John Shire got to coach in a game. That so game he's... got canceled. I looked it up to see what ended up happening. Cause I remember that happening. It was a game against Florida state and, uh, it was, it was January 1st where it was announced that coach K wouldn't coach. And then the next day the game got canceled like an hour before it started. No, he he coached a. I remember Shire coached a game. 
I don't think it was against uh, Florida State, though. Mm, was there another one, then? Yeah. I don't know. I guess we can find that out later. Yeah, I'll Google it here. Actually, no, you can probably look it up pretty easily. Just go to – it would be credited on his, like, Wikipedia page as his head coaching record. Yeah, that would yeah, count should... towards it. Yeah. I think they won. It was, like, a pretty close game, but they, they ended up pulling it out. I remember that. I don't see anything. I don't know if this actually happened. All right. Well, while I look it up, um, you know, it, it is you know, with John Shire. We'll, we'll move kind of to him because he is going to be the guy. Uh, obviously, 33 years old, not exactly the most old player, but you know he's someone I think has been an experienced guy has recruited some players uh zion williamson he in specifically he you know was recruiting on that so he's someone that has recruited players uh kind of a fresh face in college basketball he's you know relatively young so i think he he has a better chance of connecting with some of the players so i think overall like i like the hire of shire you know if you're going to stay in the Duke family, you could, of course, gone, you know, with other options. You could have gone, you know, let's say you go Jeff Capel. You could have done that. Uh, I don't think they were going with Wojo. You could have done Bobby Hurley. But uh, I think in the end, it. I think John Shire's probably the uh, best option they could have had. Yeah, definitely. And it's not like coaches from the Coach K coaching tree have really done anything notable. So that's the reason why I feel like we're in this position where John Shire is a guy. Yeah, I figured it would be John Shire or Nolan Smith, both former players, obviously, in recent years, only in the past decade. But yeah, I mean, it, you can look at Wojo. He just got fired from Marquette, so you're not hiring him to be the head coach of Duke. Maybe he'll be an assistant, but you're not hiring him to be the head coach. Chris Collins, he, his days at Northwestern are probably numbered at this point, too. You're not hiring him as the next head coach. And uh, Jeff Goodman said that two that they were considering were Johnny Dawkins, who Coach K is very close with. But UCF has been pretty bad since they made the tournament a few years ago and obviously lost to Duke in the round of 32. You just can't hire a guy coming off two pretty brutal seasons with UCF. And then the other one was Tommy Amaker at Harvard, another obviously player or obviously former Duke player I don't think you can hire a I mean maybe you could have hired Amaker but he's also not super young he's 55 will be 56 by the time he would become the head coach at Duke I think they just wanted to go in a direction with a younger head coach because if things go well John Shire could be at Duke for 40 years like that's kind of what we could see happening here and it's not like Shire was some you know okay player that played every now and then he's a top 10 scorer in program history is the 10th highest scorer, in fact. He barely makes the list, but he counts. He made these 10, uh, 2,077 points uh, at Duke, only three, only two points behind Jay Williams, and it's a pretty stacked list. J.J. Redick, Johnny Dawkins is second, Christian Leitner, uh, Kyle Singler is there. You know, John Shire was a really good player, won a national championship, and he's been on the Duke coaching staff for seven years. I think his goal when he stopped playing professional basketball early was to be 
the next coach at Duke, and he got that. He's going to be the next head coach at Duke at only 34 years old. And like I said, he could be the head coach for the best program in college basketball for the next 40 years. Yeah, and uh, I, I did officially look it up. He coached one game against Boston College. Uh, they won 83 to 82 on okay. January 6th. So I was remembering correctly. Uh, and then Coach K took over when they played Wake Forest. But uh, I, I think all the points you mentioned on Shire is good. And, you know, he's someone, if he works out, especially, you know, you have a, let's say, can be anything like Coach K and, you know, win a couple national championships, you have a, you know, potential for a long-term solution. Uh, the one blowback, I guess he's never really coached a full season of college basketball. Uh, he's coached a game. He's been an assistant. I think the Duke brand just in general will lead him to some success, but, you know, it is somewhat taking a chance on, you know, John Shire. I think that's worth mentioning. Uh, granted, if you're taking a, if you're hiring anyone in the Duke family, there there just wasn't really a better option, I don't think. You, you couldn't really hire Jeff Cable. You couldn't hire Wojo. Uh, Chris Collins is probably on his last you know few years in Northwestern. Uh, this might be his last year, uh, just this year. So, I mean, it, there's not exactly the you know best line of head coaches in the coach K coaching tree. So I think John Shire, it's the right decision for Duke. It's also a risky decision. You don't have anyone with head coaching experience. And we, we kind of touched on with North Carolina. It's the same thing with hiring Hubert Davis, uh, North Carolina, Duke. They're both blue blood programs. They're going to be able to get the high level recruits. They're going to be able to, you know, bring those recruits in. They're going to be able to stay at least relatively good because the programs are just that good. Uh, you know, at the worst season Duke has had recently was this past season, and they still were on the bubble. So, uh, of course, Duke is going to be, I think, fine with John Shire. Uh, I do find it a little concerning, but, you know, we'll see what he can do. And it's kind of going to be something we look forward to kind of next year because Coach Hayes still does have another year. And Duke certainly has a chance to go out on top with Coach K. Good. Duke is going to be a really good team next season, potentially a top five team in the preseason. Paolo Banchero could be the best freshman in the country. He's going to be right there with Chet Holmgren. They're both really talented pieces. Uh, obviously, both are top three recruits for a reason. Banchero is going to potentially be the leading scorer for Duke next year. But when you look at the rest of the roster, Mark Williams is a guy that really burst on the scene after Jalen Johnson left the team. He's an elite defender, really good athlete. He's really solid at the rim. He's not the best offensive player, but overall what he adds is elite rim protection, good athleticism, and he can score at the bucket. And then you add three other pretty solid uh, recruits coming in, Trevor Keels, A.J. Griffin, who's a five-star recruit, and Jalen Blakes. And then when you look at the rest of the roster, Joey Baker's coming back for another season. Wendell Moore is coming back for another season. And then you add Theo John, the transfer from Marquette, who's going to add some depth in the front court. I think they could still add another piece, 
especially maybe like a backup experienced guard to replace Jordan Goldwire, who decided to transfer to Oklahoma. If they could find that kind of guy, that would be pretty solid because they do have a couple scholarships open still with the losses of Jamin Brayfield, Henry Coleman, uh, Jordan Goldwire. They did lose a few pieces here. So if they want to add a backup point guard with experience, that wouldn't be the worst thing for Duke. But this is a team that could definitely contend for a national championship because they have two top ten recruits. They returned Jeremy Roach, who was solid last season. They returned Mark Williams, who's going to break out this year. And Theo John has been a solid piece in the Big East for four years. So I think Duke could definitely contend for a national championship next season. Absolutely. I, I full-heartedly agree. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned I, I I would really like this Duke team a lot more if Jordan Goldwire returned. Uh, I know he's at Oklahoma, probably didn't play, you know, a slightly bigger role at Oklahoma, but uh, I I really would have liked him to come back. I, I bet Coach K would have liked him for him to come back. He was someone he kind of like offered up, you know, out of the blue. And most people are like, are they offering Jordan Goldwire? And he, he commits and, you know, obviously has had a solid career, not really a shooter, but hey, you don't necessarily – need that if you have some shooting elsewhere so uh but jeremy roach i think can run the point all right at the point guard position uh ag griffin trevor keels wendell moore uh they're two of those three will obviously start next season uh then you've got banchero who i think has the potential to be a stud uh, i think mark williams has a chance to have a big breakout season so you're, you're looking at a team uh with a Banchero Williams front court, I think probably the second best behind Gonzaga in terms of front court and uh, guard play, not really an issue either. So Duke's going to be good. Uh, whether they can go out winning, you know, an ACC regular season championship, which they never seem to do, that'll be one thing. Uh, you know, they could win a national championship. Anything is possible with this team, but uh, they're they're going to be probably top 10 team in the preseason uh, potential one seed potential national championship t- team. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. One thing I've noticed is that I don't love the ACC next season at all. I think Florida state's going to be really good. I think that Duke is going to be really good. UNC I think is up there. And then I'm like, is Notre Dame the fourth best team? Like probably honestly with everything Notre Dame returns, they return just about everybody from last season. And then they add Paul Atkinson from Yale. I don't think the ACC is going to be great outside of the top three. I think we're going to have Duke, UNC, and Florida State all be really good. I think Virginia could take a step back next season. But if a team like Virginia Tech or Georgia Tech, Louisville, if they can step up, that would help a lot. But I just don't see it with the middle of the ACC next season at all. Yeah, I, I could see Virginia Tech being good because they return – Assuming, I guess, Keve Luma returns, it'll be good because they're returning a lot of pieces from this season team, plus adding Storm Murphy. So I'm, I think I they like lost Virginia Jalen Cohn, though. That's pretty big. Jalen Cohn's pretty good. Yeah, but I, I still think they'll be good. Um, Virginia is taking a step back. Syracuse will, of course, be on the bubble. I don't uh, like Virginia's roster at all. Like, I feel like everybody's putting them top five just because they're Virginia. 
but like they weren't even that good last year. Like they were a five seed, yes, but they weren't even that good if we're being honest. Like and looking at this roster, I did I don't like this roster. Like uh, Armand Franklin's a good shooter. That's a good ad. Kihei Clark is Kihei Clark. He's gonna be really solid. They desperately need a breakout out of Reese Beekman probably if they're going to be good. But Trey Murphy, he's gone. He's not going to come back. I'm almost certain he could be a first-round pick. He's going to stay in the draft. Jaden Gardner, I think, could be pretty good coming in from East Carolina. Was a big-time scorer for the Pirates the first three years of his career. But he's not a shooter, so I'm curious to see how that aspect plays out. This could be a really bad shooting Virginia team. Yeah. I just – it's – I guess it's the Tony Bennett factor. I think they'll be at least like a seven seed. I don't think they'll necessarily be good, but the, I think they'll make the tournament. Uh, let's see. Wake Forest can't get any worse. Pittsburgh probably is going to be worse. Uh, so, I mean, the ACC is not exactly a murderer's row. Uh, Clemson might be completely terrible. Boston College no, will they're probably be, bad. be worse. No. Yeah, Clemson's not going to be good. Georgia Tech, uh, if Jose Alvarado decides to use his extra year and Mike DeVoe decides to come back, they'll be good. That's some big ifs, but um, yeah, not not a ton to like with the ACC. Uh, Miami's never healthy, so yeah, I think Duke probably has to be the favorite to win the conference. I think North Carolina, Florida State, you could maybe throw Virginia Tech in the you know, fourth team in the ACC conversation, Notre Dame is there. So uh, not an overly daunting ACC. Duke should win it. Uh, That that would be good for them to go out winning an ACC regular season title or or tournament title because ACC regular season titles apparently don't exist. No, they don't. Yeah. any last thoughts on, you know, where, where are your thoughts, I guess, on the victory tour side of the, that, you know, just him going out, uh, each building, I guess, probably going to sell out this year, uh, which good thing it's not a COVID year. Yeah, look, I mean, I know a lot of people don't like Coach K, and that's what happens with everybody that wins. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. They're always seen as a villain. Coach K you know, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, anybody in any sport where they're, like, the best for a long time, people aren't going to like them. That's what it comes down to. And Coach K, it's hard to not respect him because he's been able to do everything that he's done at Duke, have over a 1,000 wins, uh, multiple national titles, a lot of Final Fours, year in, year out, having one of the best rosters in the country. And the thing about it is he's avoided any kind of FBI investigation or anything that has gotten Duke in trouble at all. He hasn't had any wins vacated throughout his entire career, something that a lot of coaches at the top of the industry have not been able to do. I mean, John Calipari has had a fair amount of wins removed. Uh, You know, Jim Boeheim, I believe, had some. So there's definitely been a lot of coaches that have lost wins, and Coach K hasn't had that. So I think that's something that you have to give him credit for, you know, whether – you know, people are going to say what they want to say, but there's been nothing that's happened that has gotten Duke in trouble. So I don't think you can really be like, hey, you know, Duke gets all the best players. Well, they've been able to not get in trouble. So I don't, you know, you can say they've done stuff maybe, but there's no proof of that. And Coach K has been able to continue winning and stay out of trouble. So I think that's one thing that he doesn't get enough credit for. Yeah, I mean, 
the the one thing is, you know, I, I think the accusations are, you know, Coach K goes and drops a bag or whatever. Well, it's probably not actually Coach K, yeah, but there's no way that's how that would actually go down. Yeah, Coach Coach K just orders his assistants to. But uh, in terms of that, I mean, for one, that's all kind of a stupid argument at this point because literally in probably a month you'll legally be able to do that so uh, the whole you know dropping a bag that now you're going to legally be able to do that but uh you know with coach k staying out of the ncaa trouble i think you know whether he drops bags or not uh he doesn't maybe his assistants do but i mean hey you haven't you didn't get caught so i mean did you really do it it's like you know, you're driving down the highway and you're going 85 in a 60 mile per hour zone. If the cop doesn't catch you, you you weren't speeding. So uh, it's kind of one of those type things. But uh, with Coach K, absolutely incredible career. Uh, you know, we we'll see other coaches. You'll know, go out. We'll see you know John Calipari, Jay Wright, like there will eventually become a time where like some of the people you'll know, mark few they're going to be the new generation of great coaches uh, will eventually retire. But coach K I think has been kind of the guy uh, Roy Williams was certainly a great presence, but coach K, you know, five national championships. You can't argue with that. Uh, the success he's had over decades, uh, just the way he kind of conducts Duke, uh, conducts the Duke brand, uh, you know, connects with Nike, connects with USA Basketball in the past. So, I mean, he's had an incredible career. Uh, whether he goes out on top winning a national championship or not, uh, just hats off to what has been an incredible career with Coach K. Yeah, definitely. And by the way, so uh, Brooke Patino's had – 130 wins, including a Final Four, a National Championship, an Elite Eight, and a Sweet 16, all vacated in a four-year span. And Coach K's had nothing. So, you know, people can say what they want to say. Coach K's been able to stay out of trouble. Uh, and I think that's a big credit because that all the college basketball scandals there's been, and Coach K hasn't been involved in any of them. I think, like, I think that's such an underrated part of what Coach K's been able to do. Yeah. No, very, very underrated. I, I think a lot of coaches, especially back at, you know, do it the, did it the right way. Uh, you know, and I think staying out of trouble, staying out of, you know, anything, obviously not throwing stripper parties, uh, that that's a benefit as well. So, uh, but yeah, staying out of trouble, keeping, you know, even when Duke has a bad year, they still could are legally eligible for the NCAA tournament. That's because they don't get in trouble and uh, they probably won't get in trouble going forward because obviously bag dropping will be legal. So uh, I don't know that bag dropping is going to technically be legal. It's just making money off their likeness. Yeah. But I mean, if you you can legally do it, I guess you could say, Oh, well it wasn't, uh, State Farm that was dropping a bag or something like that. Yeah, I think we're at the point where, like, I just don't really care about any of that, to be honest with you. Like, if 
you know, a coach wants to pay a play, I just don't really care. Yeah. Like, the the whole Efton Reed situation, it's like, I, I, I would feel for Pittsburgh fans, but, like, still, like. No, I don't. I don't feel at all. I think it's kind of funny, actually. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, you got outbid. You hate to see it. Yeah, and look, I mean, Will Wade hasn't cooperated with the NCAA investigation at all, and he's still st- he's he got and he didn't coach an NCAA tournament. Everybody thought he was going to get fired. He was caught on wiretap discussing paying a player. That player's now gone. He spent three years in college and he's going to the NBA, and he's still the coach. Yeah, and that player did not miss any games either. He, no, I think he missed one, technically. I think he missed oh. one. Oh. But So he missed one, and then he, but he spent three years in college. Yeah, and was eligible for all but one of the games, in which case they, like, the whole, the whole ping of the players these days is just, like, it's so dumb that it's become, like, Like, every school, I think, is now just kind of, like, said, you know what, screw you, NCAA, we're digging our heels in, we're gonna, we're not listening. You saw with Memphis, with James Wiseman, they could have sat them out 10 games, they, I guess, eventually did, but at first they were like, "Uh, screw you, we're playing him these first three games Which was just an incredibly dumb decision. That that was a dumb decision. Yeah. It it was dumb, but like they played like they played like South Carolina State, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna play. Like, no, that was a bad idea, and they're probably still gonna get in some kind of trouble for doing that. They should have just not played him. Yeah, but I mean, more, more and more programs are like, screw you, NC Oklahoma State. They get literally get hit with a postseason ban, and they're like, we're just gonna appeal this. Overturn the appeal, NCA. If you if you really don't want us in the NCA tournament, the NCA said, uh, "What what do we do here?" So, I mean, th- this whole bag dropping, you know, college basketball has been, I guess, kind of corrupt for a little while. Uh, we just kind of now know a little bit about it, and uh, Coach K Duke. They could be corrupt, for all we know. They didn't get caught. Uh, credit to Coach K for not doing that, and credit to him for an incredible ca- career. Yeah, definitely. And then I guess now we'll move on to the uh, actual off-season part of college basketball, but obviously the biggest news of the off-season probably was Coach K announcing this will be his last season. Absolutely. Uh, definitely going to be fun to see. I guess it, it, it'll be the ESPN you know, is going to take care of this. So we'll know it's Coach K's last year uh, if if we don't already know. But uh, A.J. Brima, he is going to spend a year at Nevada, maybe more. But the uh, Robert Morris transfer went to Arizona State, has now decided to head to Nevada. Certainly a good pickup for them. Uh, I think, it, you know, this is a Nevada team that should come into next season uh, with NCAA tournament expect- expectations, and A.J. Brima is just another piece to that. Yeah, the Wolfpack is, are going to be really good next season. Grant Sherfield had 18 points per game, six rebounds per game last season, was one of the best guards in the country, was very underrated, 
And Nevada was a really young team last season with not a lot of expectations. But they they uh, succeeded, I guess, uh, those expectations by a lot. They were a really solid team. They took San Diego State to the buzzer a few different times. They play, They beat Colorado State at the buzzer once on a Grant Sherfield game winner. They beat Boise State twice. They just had a really solid season. They didn't make the NIT. If it was a normal NIT field with 32 teams, maybe they would have made it. But this is a team that's going to be really good next season. They actually have expectations. Desmond Cambridge is back for another season. They did lose Addison Patterson, who was going to be a pretty big piece of the team, former four-star recruit. He left the team or got dismissed, one of the two. He's not with the team. That's what it comes down to, and that opened a scholarship for A.J. Brama to commit the next day. Will Baker still with the team, former five-star recruit. Warren Washington averaged 10-5 and five last season. I would guess the starting five will probably look like Grant Sherfield, Desmond Cambridge, Trey Coleman at the three, Brahma at the four, and, and uh, Warren Washington at the five. Will Baker will probably come off the bench to begin the season. And But you could look at a guy like DeAndre Henry to break out potentially, maybe Daniel Foster. And then you can't forget about Keenan Blackshear coming in from FIU. This Nevada team is going to be really good. I'm planning on updating my top 25 very soon. There's been points of the offseason where I had Nevada top 10. I don't know if they'll be top 10 now, but like top 17 at worst. So like they're, they're, they should be ranked in the preseason, in my opinion. I don't know if they will in the actual AP poll, but they'll be ranked in any poll I do. And I think they're the top team in the Mountain West right there at Colorado State. And they should be making the NCAA tournament next season. Yeah, I definitely think they're an NCAA tournament team. Uh, I I don't I don't see them definitely. I don't think they'll be a like when the AP poll comes out that Nevada's gonna be one of the 25 or maybe get a tie in 26 teams in there. But I mean, they, I think they're a clear NCAA tournament team. Grant Sherfield is a, a superstar, absolute baller. They end up winning Mountain West Player of the Year last year. Nope, Matt Mitchell did. Okay. But Which like, I uh, definitely disagree with. I would have given it to Derek Alston Jr. before I gave it to Matt Mitchell. I would have given it to, you know, maybe even Jordan Shackle before I gave it to Matt Mitchell. I'd have given it to Grant Sherfield, Isaiah Stevens, David Roddy. And I love Matt Mitchell. He should not have won that award. Namias Keda, he could have won it pretty easily too. Yeah. I I guess if, you, if you're if you like, well, we, we got to give it to... A San Diego State player since they won Lee, I guess that's he fine. He also missed whatever. like four games though. But I mean, Grant Sherfield, I think was the best player in the Mountain West and is the best player in the Mountain West. So uh, I think they should have given it to him. Uh, you look at this team, yeah, I, I like AJ Brima fitting in, uh, perfect fit right there. Uh, Will Baker has all the talent. Warren Washington has all the talent. KJ, KJ Himes is back for another year, uh, and he might not play that much. So, I mean, it, when KJ Himes, uh, in, you know, give a abundance of rich, riches with this front court, uh, Grant Sherfield is a superstar. Desmond Cambridge is a good number two. Uh, so, I mean, it, this is a very good team. So, uh, definitely looking forward to Nevada as we head into uh, next season. Moving on, a former Nevada player is off to Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, Jordan Brown, he played last year at Arizona. Now the former five-star, he is going 
uh, to play in the Sun Belt, going to Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, I like this ad a lot for Louisiana. It was down to Texas, uh, Tennessee, and Louisiana, and Jordan Brown ended up picking Louisiana. And the connection there is that his father played at Louisiana in the 80s, I believe, maybe the 90s. But yeah, his father played there, and he's headed there. And they're going to be a really good team, likely the favorites in the Sun Belt to enter entering next season. They're likely to return Cedric Russell. I don't know if that's official yet, but it seems like that's probably going to be the case. He didn't enter the NBA draft, so I'm going to assume he's coming back next season. He averaged 17 a game last season, will enter next year as a conference preseason player of the year. Then you also had Jalen Dalcourt and Greg Williams. Both are Louisiana natives. Williams had 10 points per game last season for St. John's, while Dalcourt averaged 9 for San Jose State. Uh, you also return Kobe Julian, who's going to be a very sneaky piece. He's hurt his knee both of the last two years. And then Theo Akuba, who I think could be a future NBA player, maybe a second-round pick in 2022. The duo of Jordan Brown and Theo Akuba is going to be unstoppable for the rest of the Sun Belt, two elite big men. They're probably the two best big men maybe in the uh, Sun Belt. Nor uh, Chad Omir is really good at Arkansas State, so maybe he has something to say about that. But overall... That's the best big man duo in the Sun Belt, maybe one of the best in the country. They're my pick to win the Sun Belt entering next year. This will be a very fun team to watch for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just don't see any other team that should be even considered the fa- as a favorite in the well, Sun South Belt. Alabama, South Alabama is going to be good in their own right, but it's going to be kind of different because they're a guard-oriented team. They're not going to be that – like their weakness last year – was their front court play, and they do they did add some guys to fix that a bit. They added Marshall Caring from State College of Florida. They added Emmanuel Littles from North Alabama, Lance Thomas from Memphis, and they're turning Ko Gonzalez uh, for another year of eligibility. But th- they lost so much from last year, but they added a lot too. They lost Michael Flowers and replaced him with Greg Parham from BMI, player I like a ton. Charles Manning from LSU coming in. They added a lot of transfers. Tyrell Jones from Auburn. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, the Jaguars mesh next season, but I think I think you have to go with Louisiana as a favorites. I, you have to. Yeah, especially you get Cedric Russell back. Uh, you know, a potential all you know, level player, potential player of the year. Uh, you add in Jordan Brown, who maybe has been a little bit disappointing, but he's still like seven feet tall in very athletic like that's going to work at the Sunbelt level Theo Kubra we we know he's very good uh Greg Williams Jr like there's just so much talent on this team I guess South Alabama can contend you know they maybe they split a series if they end up playing it but I just don't see any other team not named Louisiana that will be representing the uh Sunbelt Conference in the NCAA tournament. I just think the talent is pretty overwhelming, especially for you know, a lot of the Sunbelt teams. Uh, I know Appalachian State, they won it last year. I don't think they're going to definitely not repeat next season. Uh, so, I mean, you're looking at this team. Louisiana should be the favorites in the Sunbelt. And, you know, another point to this is you kind of get a situation where everyone – with this transfer portal was like, uh, it's going to ruin college basketball because you know, they're just going to take from the mid-majors and mid-majors will never succeed. This is a prime example of 
a mid-major program looking at frustrated high-major program players and saying, you can come to our level, you can dominate this league, and you can make a name for yourself. And you, know, you get Jordan Brown coming in here. Uh, you get Greg Williams. Now, all of a sudden, Louisiana Lafayette uh, should come into next season with you know, the clear expectations to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I never bought the narrative that the transfer portals and the kill all mid majors. I watched, you know, a ton of mid major basketball, probably just as much as anybody there is in existence. Like, you know, I would say, I mean, you know, I watch, it, I watch a lot of the college basketball, probably too much college basketball, and I just don't buy that it's gonna kill college basketball. You know, maybe some of the best players on some teams will leave, but you can only have 13 scholarship players, and there's only a certain amount of high major teams. So, you know, just by simple math, players are going to leave the high major team and have to go to a mid-major team. That's just kind of how that goes. Yeah, and, you know, it's another thing, too. You get, like, some high major teams, let's say they're they're best players, they get frustrated, you can land those players. And, you know, I think overall, you know, maybe – you know, some people may not like the transfer portal. It does in, add intrigue. It does allow players to just be able to decide which role they want to play and play it. Uh, it does give, you know, a second chance for some players. You know, some coaches will say to some players, look, you're not producing. I don't think you're worthy of a scholarship. Now, all of a sudden, they're able to, you know, parachute to uh, you know, the mid-major level and, not only play, but you'll play well and kind of get your revenge tour on that. So I definitely think this is overall good for college basketball, uh, just getting these level players to uh, go to the mid-major level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Moving on here, Marvin Johnson uh, from Eastern Illinois ha- has decided to head out, head to Oklahoma. Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners going to be, I think, one of the, you know, I think we've talked about it, the Big 12 is going to be, after one through three, loaded with plenty of, you know, quality teams, NCAA tournament level teams uh, for, from four to nine. I think Marvin Johnson uh, hanging to Oklahoma just adds to that. You get Oklahoma team that you know already had the Groves brothers in there uh you know that that's obviously very good uh they have Jalen Hill Ethan Shagwa uh Marvin Johnson just adding another shooter they have Elijah Harkless uh Moja Gibson this is a Oklahoma team I think is going to be very good uh Jordan Goldwire as well uh I and with Port Moser's coaching I think the NCAA tournament should be expectation for Oklahoma fans at this point. Uh, at this point, you know, you, you have enough offense, I think, to kind of make up for what I thought was, you know, some offensive inability. Adding the Groves brothers is obviously big. Now adding Marvin Johnson, I think it's just another piece for Oklahoma. Yeah, the thing that Oklahoma lacked a few days ago even was a scoring point guard because that's just not Jordan Goldwire's game, and you get that with Marvin Johnson. He's able to score the ball at will. He's a very good passer, good athlete, six foot six. I think he'll play very nicely next to 
uh, Jordan Goldwire, and obviously off the bench, Emoja Gibson will probably be the sixth man who's an elite shooter from outside. The Groves brothers, obviously Tanner Groves is the main one. People are, you know, questioning if he'll translate to this level. He will. He'll be just fine. And I think Oklahoma is going to be one of the best teams uh, in the Big 12, potentially. I think they could be as good as third or fourth in the conference. At worst, I say they're sixth, and they're definitely a tournament team. The real question for me, though, is, you know, can you get enough out of guys like Jordan Goldwire and Jalen Hill on the offensive end? You know how good they're going to be on the defensive end. This could be one of the best defensive teams in the country, but will they be able to add enough on the offensive end when they're on the floor? Yeah. I I do think the player mix is interesting because you have, like, I think not a lot of, like, elite two-way players like Groves, you know, Johnson, like, you, you have some players that, you know, Gibson, they're like elite offensive pieces. And then you, you have some pretty elite defenders, Jordan Goldwire, Jalen Hill, I think are two of the better defenders in college basketball. Elijah Harkless may be that guy, but like you don't really have necessarily like you're not looking at this team saying, oh, we have a elite combination of two-way guys it's kind of an interesting mix if you know, you need to stop you can sub in three new guys uh it's going to be interesting to see how Porter Moser you know ultimately coaches this team but uh, you have to if you're an Oklahoma fan uh when Lon Kruger retired you know you have to say this uh, from that moment this offseason has been uh an A plus you know just excellent job because Porter Moser is probably as good as a coach as Oklahoma could have gotten, uh, getting him to come over from Loyola Chicago, uh, and then getting, you know, some of the players, getting the Groves brothers in there, getting Ethan Chagua, who can come in, you know, help out, getting Jordan Goldwire, elite, you know, plucky defender, uh, getting Marvin Johnson, who can, you know, run an offense, run a team. This is as good as a job you could have hoped for, uh, from poor Moser and he's doing an incredible job just making sure Oklahoma is at least at the very minimum going to be competitive and you know we'll see how good they'll be I think they're an NCAA tournament team going into the next season definitely a tournament team and a little mid-podcast breaking news Trey Alexander former Auburn commit top 100 recruit in the class of 2021 has officially committed to Creighton he was down to Creighton and Auburn he comes into a class filled with a lot of talent. Creighton, I believe now, has a top five recruiting class in the country for next season. They add uh, Mason Miller, the son of Mike Miller, who's a longtime NBA player. They add Ryan Nemhard, the brother of Andrew Nemhard. Arthur Kaluma, who's a top 50 recruit. Uh, John Christophilus is a four-star recruit. So they have four four-star recruits come in. Christophilus is a three-star recruit. And they added a few transfers with Ryan Hawkins from Northwest Missouri State. And they added Keyshawn Faisal from McNeese State. This is a Creighton team that lost a lot from last season, obviously. Marcus Zagorowski, uh, Mitch Ballack, Antoine Jones entered the portal yesterday. Christian Bishop transferred. Damian Jefferson, Denzel Mahoney both decided to go pro. So this is, a, this is a team that's going to look significantly different. But I would not be surprised with the upside this Blue Jays team could have if they're a top three team in the Big East next season. Yeah, I, I think you're looking at Creighton. I don't necessarily think they're a tournament team going into next season. I just, you know, when you're relying this heavily on freshmen, 
you know, you're going to have some struggles and it's not like the freshmen are overly, you know, it's not like it's Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett and uh, Cam Reddish. It's you know, Ryan Nemhard, uh, Trey Alexander, uh, you know, and Arthur Kaluma, who I think are very good recruits. Uh, but when you're looking at Creighton, not really for next year, uh, but in a couple of years, uh, get another year of Sharif Mitchell running the point, get Ryan Nemhard, you know, another year of experience, get Trey Alexander a year of experience. I think you're looking at, you know, not for, you know, 2021, 22, uh, once you're looking at the 2023 NCAA tournament, you're looking at that season being like, this is a team that in 2023 should obviously be, I think probably an early look ahead, top 25 team, just based off the roster construction if they can keep everyone, uh, you know, I think Greg McDermott obviously had some, you know, struggles this past season, uh, you know, use some poor language, but getting, you know, late recruits like Trey Alexander, like Arthur Kaluma, uh, Creighton going to continue to be good. Yeah. There's a point in this off season where I was like, man, Creighton just might be really bad next season. But that doesn't look like it's going to be the case. If some of these players end up playing to their potential, uh, obviously you can't forget about uh, Rati, name that starts with an A that I'm just never going to be able to pronounce. Maybe I'll get it at some point. He was a four-star recruit last year. He tore his ACL before the season started, and he had pretty lofty expectations coming into Creighton. So he could end up being the guy at the point guard spot, and I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see Creighton be a top three team in the Big East. I, I just wouldn't. I don't think the Big East is great. I like what Xavier brings to the table. Obviously, Villanova's first. I think Butler's going to be really underrated. I'm not buying the UConn stock at all right now. A lot of people are in on them. I'm not. I just don't see it at the moment. Georgetown, Georgetown fans think they'll be good. They're not going to be. Providence, they're going to be okay. Like Outside of the top three, I just don't think the Big East will be very good next season. No, I, I think Villanova will be good. Xavier, they just the Xavier has too much talent to be any worse than you know. I, I NCAA tournament team. I I agree on Butler. I think they'll be very good. Uh, yeah, I I would say Seton Hall probably gonna be pretty good but like, I do like Seton Hall yeah that's, yeah. A, that's a good point I kind of miss them there they're a top four team for sure Bryce Aiken didn't enter the NBA draft so he's probably back Jameer Harris averaged 20 a game at American Hidari Richmond is a future really good NBA player he's one of the best defenders in the country at the point guard spot Jared Roden Miles Kale Alexis Yetna this is a really they're, they're a really good team too yeah I mean with the biggies you just have like Obviously, I think there's a clear kind of top four, and then you have a lot of just blah. Like you, you've got St. John's, who has you know the potential, depending upon Champagne, uh, depending upon Posh Alexander's decision to be an NCAA tournament team. They also have the potential to completely stink. UConn, they're kind of not really exciting to me. Uh, lose. Basically, the the entire team's back except for James Booknight, who uh, was pretty good last year. Uh, probably, if he would have been fully healthy an entire season, probably would have been 
at least a second team All American. So I mean, wait, would he have been the fourth Big East player of the year? Would they have made a, a four player uh, Big East player of the year instead of three? No, he just would have won it on its on himself. You sure? I mean, they they did three, so might as well just you you know what? Let's do five next year. Why not? What do you have to lose? Pride and dignity. I mean, they really they the Big East put out a list with three players winning the Big East Player of the Year, and they're like, yeah, this is a good idea. Whose idea was that? I don't care which one of the three got it. I don't at all. You could have given it to Mommy. You could have given it to Gillespie or Robinson Earl, and I wouldn't have cared at all. I, I just don't at all care about that. But when you give it to three different players, that's when I say this is kind of stupid. Yeah. No, they, they should have just uh, – as soon as it became three players, they should – that should just be – like if you have co-players, I guess that's fine. If you have three players, just do a recount because – yeah, just, for one, do a recount. Just do it. Well, I hate the idea of co-players here to begin with. I mean, uh, it happened in 2014-2015 with Chris Dunn and Ryan Archie Diacono. Again, I don't care which one wins it. You can give it to Archie Diacono. I don't care. I, I just don't make it, it – you know, it's called player of the year. It loses the – not the power. It just loses the uh, – it just loses the flash to it when it's co-players of the year. It should just be player of the year. Just one. I don't care which one. I, I have no argument. Unless it's like Drew Timmy or someone else and they do co-national player of the year, then I'll have a problem with who ends up winning it. I mean, if, if it's like Drew Timmy or Paolo Banchero and they give it to Banchero when it's clearly Timmy's award to win, then I'll have a problem with it. But until something like that happens, just give it to one player and most times I don't care. Yeah. Uh, most of the time if it's pretty close, like it, you'll – be able to validate it. It just it was. Seton Hall didn't make that. the tournament, so you could just take Mamu out of it. He was great. They didn't make the tournament. He doesn't get the award. Gillespie tore his meniscus or whatever. He he was out for the tournament. Really good player. That sucks. Give it to Robinson Earl. That's that's how I would have done it. There we go. Or maybe like, maybe you instead of you know voting at the end of regular season, uh, decide okay, well we have three players that tied for the award we're just going to uh give it to the one who uh played the best in the big east tournament maybe you could have done that yeah i or just give it to the only one who played in the ncaa tournament that would have worked for me too because there was one and again gillespie was hurt that sucks i like gillespie a ton but three big east players like are you serious like that i just don't understand that yeah like it's like uh, happened like four months ago and i'm still not happy about it uh, if only James Booknight would have just been healthy the entire season, we wouldn't have to deal with this uh, three-player-of-the-year nonsense. It's like having ten players on your first-team uh, conference, uh, you know, first-team list. Oh, that is – it's literally – Shout like out it, to the WCC. It literally says team, and you're like – First team should be five – like, it's, it's so stupid. In fairness to the WCC, the first team could just be all Gonzaga players every year, and, you know, I wouldn't question it because most of the time it's – you know, I like, they could have put 
like seven Gonzaga players on the first team with ten players, and I wouldn't have questioned it. Well, would this year it probably if you only did five, it would have been probably Colby Ross and then four Gonzaga players, right? Uh, I mean, I would have put Nemhard on it. He made the second team. He wasn't even one of the ten that were on the first team. It was Drew Timmy, Corey Kispert, Eli Scott, uh, Kessler Edwards, Colby Ross. Uh, how many is that? Five? Sounds about Matt I mean, Harms. If you were doing just five for the WCC, it would have been Gonzaga's team with uh, – Nemhard taken out and Colby and Ross Colby Ross put in replaced. That would yeah. have been the first team. I agree. Definitely. Very dumb though. But the Very. Big East also I don't know if they did this this year, but like they usually do six players on their first team and then the player of the year's not on the first team, which what no what more. is this? Yeah. I hate that too. And the Big Ten does ten players also. I don't like that. Like we need, we need some kind of structure to these lists. Five each, each conference you do five players on the first team, one player of the year. You can do a second, a third. You can do a fourth or a fifth or a sixth or a seventh. You can do seven teams if you want. If you, if you really want to include thirty-five players, go for it. But only five per team. Yep, couldn't agree more. I mean, the fact that like we're including, like I don't, I don't even know who made the. Let's let's see here before we uh, end this little mini rant. Uh, Big Ten first team. Let's let's see which player that shouldn't have made the Big East first team did, because there's ten of them. It was Io, Kofi, obviously Luca Garza, because he won National Player. Of, oh, they only did five this year. I thought I thought it was ten. Okay, so. Sorry, Big East, or Big Ten, my bad. But speaking of the Big Ten, before we uh, get out of here very soon, Ron Harper Jr. did not enter the NBA draft. Yeah, that's kind of some big news. So uh, it can be assumed he's going back to Rutgers. Uh, maybe decides to play professionally. Uh, but I mean, if he's back for Rutgers, we, we were kind of talking about uh, it last, last week. Like, they could be in some trouble if they don't have Baker Harper Jr. back. Uh, with Ron Harper Jr. back, I think they're probably fine. Uh, Mulcahy, I think, is good. McConnell can play the four. Uh, Morier uh, can take a step forward. But I mean, getting Ron Harper Jr., especially if he can play like uh, he did the first, first month. First month, yeah. When, I mean, when he, we did a top 10 <laughs> list of players and he came in at number two. I mean, that just didn't age well at all. I mean, that <laughs> I like we had conversation. We we're like, man, is Ron Harper Jr. better than Luca Garza? No, he's not. He's like not even close, actually. So that was fun. It, it was a fun first month. Yeah, like that. Northwestern was ranked in the first month. So just take you can remember that. I mean. They were ranked, and then they just lost. They like lost every game the rest of the year. So it happens. Uh, another name 
down the list, Daryl Morcell. Uh, he. That's fun. I, he has said he. He defends. He could either go to play, I guess, overseas. He could uh, decide to um, come transfer. back to Maryland or transfer. He's he's leaving all options open. It sounds like Daryl Morcell has no idea what he wants to do. That That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, I can't blame you. Maybe maybe he he's just, you know, undecided on what he wants to do. Wants yeah, to play basketball he, somewhere. He should probably figure it out pretty soon, though. I mean, uh, you know, college basketball season starts in November. Players are starting to go to campus soon. So I, I think he should probably decide something here at some point. He should have just left his name in the draft entrance and then decided to I, I I don't know. It's kind of his he's kind of weird, but he should have just stayed in the draft. That's what I think should have happened. He shouldn't have he should just go pro. That's, that's Actually he should he should have stayed in the he should have stayed in the draft. I guess he's kind of done this while keeping his name in the transfer portal and then not said anything about it. Uh, because now, now everyone's like, what, what are you doing kid? And said so, like with Remy Martin, who decided to put his name in the transfer portal and also declare for the draft. And no one's talking about him, you know, making a dumb decision. That's uh, true. Just keep your name in the NBA draft. Yeah, you never it's know. Easy. I mean, Rajon Tucker is a Memphis legend after all. So, absolutely. So, uh, we'll we'll see what Daryl Morsell eventually will do. Uh, Taz Sherman is going to come back to school. Um, good for West Virginia. I think they have a chance at making the NCAA tournament. Uh, with Sean Taz McNeil Sherman returns. Yeah, uh, Sherman McNeil. That's. Very good sh- shooting backcourt. Uh, you've obviously got Malik Curry. Uh, Miles McBride, 95% chance is heading to the NBA, but maybe decides he wants another season of college basketball. Probably not going to happen, but if it did, West Virginia would be very good. Uh, Gabo Saboyan's back. Uh, Jalen Bridges is back. Isaiah Cottrell is back. Uh West Virginia is not going to be bad next season. Yeah, definitely. I think they could contend for an NCAA tournament bid, but we'll end up having to see what happens there for sure. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere, Alex Barcelo is back for BYU. Um, I don't think the Cougars are going anywhere. Uh, you still get Gonzaga, who's going to run away with the conference, but uh, BYU with Barcelo, I think. They, they add in Tejon Lucas as well. I want to say Brandon Everett probably comes he's back. Gone. Yeah, no, he. I think he signed with some, like, semi-pro league somewhere or something. He's gone. Well, it has on verbal commits he's still on the team. Nah, he's gone. Uh, Gideon George is very good. Cable, Caleb Loner's good, so... I think oh. they're a big man away from being really good with Matt Harms leaving. I think that big man could be Kevin Samuel. We'll see what ends up happening there, but that would be a great fit. 
Yeah, it's kind of, I'm I'm kind of surprised Colby Lee decided to leave. Oh well, though. You can yeah, you can you know you can find big men. Gavin yeah, Baxter's big man in the on portal. the team. He can't stay healthy, so they need to find a big man who they can rely on to stay healthy. Yeah, I think BYU can be an NCAA tournament team next season. Uh, yeah, I, I think they are. Yeah, I think Gonzaga is a tournament team. BYU is a tournament team. Uh, we'll see about uh, you know Todd Golden. It's of course going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, Loyola Marymount. Loyola Marymount. Uh, St. Mary's is always tough. I mean, you're you're looking here at five bid WCC next season. Indeed. And, and now thinking about it, I don't think I saw Jamari Boye or Khalil Shabazz on the NBA entrant list. So maybe they both come back to San Francisco. Yeah. Um, well, it would make little sense for Shabazz to leave unless he was transferring. Same with, well, I mean, there's some players that enter just because they're done with college, so. Yeah, but Boyer's still, or Shabazz is still a junior in college. He wasn't a freer guy? Jeez, I just learned that Sean McNeil was a junior last year, too. It's been a rough day. Oh, they have Patrick T- Tape. Toupee. Yeah, that's how you say that name for sure. <laughs> Josh Coonan. Uh Isaiah Hawthorne. They they could be interesting. Gabe Stefanini's good. He just hasn't played in like two years because they canceled the season last year and uh, he got hurt the year before. Zane Meeks can really shoot the ball in Nevada transfer. I mean, if if they're able to get Boye back, they, they could make the tournament. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I would not. And St. Mary's... That that roster does not look good. They'll probably Tommy still... Kuzi's back. The, yeah, but I don't like the roster. But they'll probably like randomly still finish near the bubble. Yeah, Judah Brown is a guy I like a lot. I think he has a, a bright future. Same deal with Jabe Mullins. I don't think they're a tournament team, but it's St. Mary's. They'll win a game that they shouldn't win. Yeah, you never know. Um. Uh, Alas, that's before we wrap up here. No, I think that's it for me. All right. Make sure to subscribe to Making the Madness both on podcasts, uh, on YouTube, uh, and wherever else you can check us out. But uh, until next time, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, and Looking forward to the Coach K uh, last year. You know, last year. So it's going to be fun to see. Uh, we're going to have more college basketball news as the offseason goes along. Uh, you've got the draft decisions going to probably be coming down. So uh, not going to be as dead as it kind of has been, but uh, we'll keep it with you. So continue to stay tuned uh, until next time.